by selecting David, Jesus' youngest son, to serve him as Israel's new king. God demonstrates that he does not judge by outward appearance, but rather by the heart. A reading from the book of Samuel. Samuel went to Ramah, and Saul went up to his house in Gebeah of Saul. Samuel did not see Saul again until the day of his death, but Samuel grieved over Saul. And the Lord was sorry that he had made Saul king over Israel. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul? I have rejected him from being king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and set out. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears of it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do, and you shall anoint for me the one whom I name to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said, Do you come peaceably? He said, Peaceably, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked at Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is now before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. He said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse then made Shammah pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any of these. Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes. He sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. The Lord said, Rise and anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. Samuel then set out and went to Ramah. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. The psalm appointed this morning is Psalm 20 on page 4 of your service book.
Please be seated. Because Christ died and rose for all, we can rejoice in knowing that God has prepared a heavenly home for us. A reading from the second letter of Paul to the Corinthians. We are always confident, even though we know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we do have a confidence, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For all of us must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each may receive recompense for what has been done in the body, whether good or evil. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we try to persuade others, but we ourselves are well known to God, and I hope that we are also well known to your consciences. We are not recommending ourselves to you again, but giving you an opportunity to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast in outward appearance and not in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ urges us on because we are convinced that one has died for all. Therefore, all have died. And he died for all so that those who live might live no longer for themselves, but for him who died and was raised for them. From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view. Even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view, we know him no longer in that way. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. The Holy Gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus said, The kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground and would sleep and rise night and day, and the seed would sprout and grow. He does not know how. The earth produces of itself first the stalk, then the head, then the full grain in the head. But when the grain is ripe, at once he goes in with his sickle because the harvest has come. He also said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable will we use for it? It is like a mustard seed, which when sown upon the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs and puts forth large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not, to speak, he did not speak to them except in parables, but he explained everything in private to his disciples. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Be seated, please. The fourth chapter of Mark's Gospel is something of a puzzle to me. Um, it starts out with the famous parable of the sower. The sower went out to sow, and he scatters his seed pretty randomly, it appears. Some of it falls on the footpath. Some of it falls in rocky soil. Some of it falls among the thorns. And some of it falls on good soil. 
We're told then that the birds come and eat that that's fallen on the footpath and the rocky soil, the stuff sprouts up and then wilts. The thorns choke out the other. And then that that fell on the good soil produces 30, 60, or 100-fold. I have never known a farmer that careless. Um, Typically, farmers are out there cleaning the rocks out of the soil to make sure it's good soil, cutting back the thorns, getting rid of them, making sure that they're not sowing seed on footpaths. This guy just doesn't seem to care. Then we get this parable today. He sows seed. He goes to sleep. He wakes up. The seed sprouts and grows. Maybe it produces some. Again, I've never known a farmer quite so lazy. There's cultivation to be done. There's irrigation to be done. Um, There's work in farming. This guy just seems not to care at all. And he takes a mustard seed and sows it on the ground. The smallest of all seeds when it's a seed and then a big shrub um, when it grows. In Colorado, mustard will take over. Um, You could see fields that were just yellow in the spring with mustard because the farmer hadn't cultivated for a couple of years. It'll just take over in a hurry. So what's going on with this guy? What kind of a crazy farmer is he? The hint comes when we're told that the birds of the air come to make their nests in the branches of the mustard shrub. The cedar tree in the Old Testament is often used as an image for the kingdom, and the birds of the air come and make their nests in the cedar tree. Daniel uses it as an image for Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, and he sees a cedar tree with its branches reaching up to the clouds and the birds of the air making their nests, and and then it's cut down. And none of the wise men of Babylon can interpret it, so he calls Daniel and says, what does this mean? And Daniel says, well, the cedar tree is you, and you've become too proud and arrogant. God will cut you down. Ezekiel uses it of Egypt. The same will happen to the kingdom of Egypt. And finally, Ezekiel uses it for the returnees from Babylon. God will cut a slip off of that cedar tree and transplant it back to Jerusalem and it will grow so that its crown reaches the clouds and all of those people who have been scattered in the exile like birds of the air will come back from north and south and east and west and make their nest in its branches. So this is supposed to be the kingdom of God, a great and majestic cedar. What is it doing as a mustard seed? Mark lived to see the destruction of Jerusalem any hope of that kind of kingdom is gone. Any hope of people coming back to Jerusalem and the gold and the ornate and the fabric and the, and the thrones of, of the kings there in, Egypt, in, in Jerusalem were gone. He has to reimagine what the kingdom looks like, and he reimagines it as a mustard seed. Persistent, scrappy, um, it will take over, and it grows in the ditches along the sides of the road in the, in the Roman Empire, flies under the radar. This is what the new kingdom looks like. Um, David, of course, is the least of Jesse's sons. He's out in the field keeping sheep. Surely this is not the one God would choose to be king. And yet, as they do the divination, yep, that's who it turns out to be. It turns out to be David of all people. Saul had tried to get proud and, and establish his kingdom like the kingdoms around And God was sorry that he had made Saul king over Israel. And so David, he will look on the heart and bring this unexpected, scrappy character to be king. 
if you've been paying attention to the news lately, you've heard a lot about the big three in Detroit, Ford and GM and Chrysler, um, having to restructure and go into bankruptcy court and all of that. And whenever they show um, the picture of that GM building on TV, I think of that cedar tree with its crown reaching to the clouds. Um, not going to work anymore. We have to reimagine that. GM and the others made the assumption that Americans were always going to buy one of those three, always buy their products, and it was just a matter of market share. GM once upon a time bought up the streetcar system here in St. Louis so they could sell buses to St. Louis. Bad idea in the long run. We needed that streetcar system. They assume that we're going to buy their, their product, and that cedar tree will come down. I suppose you could say the same for the church. We used to live in an age when we could assume that everyone in America was Christian. They were all going to come to church, and it was just a matter of picking which brand you were going to come to, Presbyterian, Episcopalian, Southern Baptist, whatever it was. But we could assume that everyone was going to come. Mark saw the collapse of that dream in his day. We may be seeing the collapse of that dream in our day. That cedar tree no longer grows, and we've got a mustard plant instead, scrappy and persistent. We can't assume that everyone is Christian. That, farm, that farmer goes out and flings his seed everywhere to everyone who will listen. Some get it, some don't. And then that mustard seed where the birds of the air come and make their nests in its branches. We need to go back to that idea of scattering our message everywhere. In Louis, they look at us and think that we've got it all. They see the pretty vestments, the brass on the altar, and the church thinks, boy, we wish we could be like them. They want us to bring them albs and stoles and, and things so that they can be pretty. And of course, on Christmas Day when I preached in Wandi, I preached to 400 people out in the sun under the mango trees. Maybe you don't need the building. Maybe you don't need the brocade. Maybe it works just as well otherwise. As this, the comprehensive peace agreement gets closer and closer to the referendum in 2011, the tribal violence is beginning to go up as everybody's trying to jockey for position to get their piece of the pie. And in southern Sudan particularly, the intertribal violence had gotten pretty bad. And so Archbishop Daniel decided that he needed to make a preaching mission. So he got in his four-wheel drive and drove out over some of those really bumpy roads and would come into a town and word would get out that the archbishop was there and people would come from all over and he would preach peace. As Christians, we can't retaliate tribe to tribe. This will undermine the peace. It needs to stop. And wherever he preached, it did stop. No big churches. No fancy uh, group going with him, entourage going with him, just him and his driver in the four-wheel drive out under the mango trees. We may have a cedar, cedar tree structure when it comes to the church, and we need to be more adaptable, more like the mustard seed, ready to grow anywhere, ready to be scattered wherever the news needs to be heard. Maybe that farmer wasn't so crazy after all. Maybe we need to go back to that idea of everyone who needs to hear and then grow under the radar along the ditches 
in the edges of the field, wherever that mustard would grow, so that the birds of the air can come from everywhere and make, branch, make their nests in its branches. 